0: Hello, welcome back to the Matt Pfeiffer Experience. I am your host, Matthew Pfeiffer, and today I have on a very special guest, Jeanette Soltis from Atlanta Holistic Family Law, out in Atlanta, Georgia. You guys know how we do. You guys know that I love bringing on attorneys that I would either hire myself or I would recommend to friends and family. She's someone who I've come in contact with on TikTok. One of the things I really appreciate about her is that she. Gives real life experience that she's actually experienced herself that she talks about and is very open with. She's a divorced mother, someone who has co-parented, and you know these are all things that she share So you guys know that that these are these are the principles that she likely uh, would likely apply to her to her uh, situation herself. Uh, and I you know I can just see and you can hear just in each and every single one of her videos how much that she actually cares about the the end result for all of her clients. So if you are out in Georgia and particular in the Atlanta area, make sure that you guys go tell like down to the comment section where we have all of her information. Give her and her firm a contact and also make sure you guys are following her on all of her social media platforms. We'll have all of those things available at the end. So Jeanette, thank you so much for joining us and, and being a part of in giving the Matt Pfeiffer experience part of your time and, and your information. So, I'm going to kick it over to you and tell us a little, bit, a little bit about yourself and how you got started.
1: Thank you so much for having me. So I have been practicing family law in Atlanta for 17 years. I actually, I majored in education, thought that I wanted to teach, did my student teaching and it was not for me. So I went to law school for the purpose of practicing family law. I started out practicing um, representing defects in the abuse and neglect cases did that for about a year, and then switched over to the divorce work. And I was a a divorce litigator for about 15 years, uh, focusing on highly contentious child custody cases, a lot of the high conflict. And then very recently, a year and a half ago, I launched my own firm where I am wanting to move towards more low conflict approaches in divorce and family law cases.
0: Well, um, you know, it's. uh... One of the things I always say every time we have an attorney on here is that it seems like everyone backs into being a divorce attorney. They love it once they're in. Most of them love it once they're in, but then no one where it's rare that I've met anyone that says that that's where they started out. But um, go back into your education days. Like what type of teacher were you planning on, on becoming?
1: I was planning on teaching high school mm-hmm. and I did student teaching in basically social studies classes. Mm-hmm. So I um, my degree is to teach social studies for middle and high schoolers. Mm-hmm. And um, I, man, that's a hard job. I respect yep. teachers so much. Um, so when I decided that wasn't for me. I started thinking, okay, what else can I do? I know that I want to help kids help families. So I thought about mm-hmm. Should I become a therapist or, you know, hey, I could go to law school and practice juvenile law or, you know, something related to families. So that's how I ended up here.
0: It's, you know, it's funny because that's uh, actually how I became a therapist. I initially wanted to be a um, school psychologist, school psychologist, working therapist. And then um, you start to realize when you're in it that if you really actually want to help out the kids, you actually have to help, help out the parents. Yeah, exactly. That's, I don't know if that's what you if, if that's what you found. Out. I actually found myself very frustrated. Yeah, trying to help kids when it was like ninety percent of their issues are coming from their parents.
1: That was my exact experience. So my student teaching was at a low income school, and I grew up going to public schools, but in a high income area. So it was a very different experience. And what I saw was I couldn't help the kids if they didn't have certain support at home. So it really was, you know. I felt very limited and it's really the parents who are needing that support. And then I started asking other teachers about, well, what if I were to teach in a high income area or at private schools, but that has their own challenges with the helicopter parents and the overbearing parents. And it just didn't seem like it was for me.
0: And I imagine like there's still some aspect of teaching that you're still able to do. I mean, obviously you teach on TikTok. Do you go live on TikTok as well?
1: Every once in a while, I haven't recently, things have gotten so busy with my firm that that I haven't been, but I do want to get back to that. I love educating and that's really big for me is is educating and so many people go into the divorce experience with just a lot of preconceived notions from, you know, they've never lived it themselves and I really want people to have the best experience possible. I do think there's a healthy way to get divorced, so I, I love talking about that.
0: Speaking of which, uh, I, I'm glad that you brought that up because uh, I do want to talk about that because a lot of people who listen to me, who follow me are, are more along the high conflict. There's a handful that are on low conflict or, you know, medium conflict. Um, mm-hmm. But how one of the things I try to when I started my platform was I tried to educate people on understanding that some situations, even though you might want it to be low conflict, you really yeah. don't have choice. Yeah. Right. And, 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 and kind of, um, showing and, and that's the reason why I started talking about, you know, uh, toxic relationships and, you know, so you can kind of understand that like, yeah, you, you sometimes it might be wishful thinking that yeah. this person has even has the ability to, compromise or work with you, even if they might be saying all the right things at the time. Yeah. Kind of talk a little bit about the difference and how someone might know that maybe there's some compromise here versus, you know what, I just really need to do, you know, what I need to do to get out of the situation.
1: Yeah, so I actually have an an assessment that I hand out to potential clients and a lot of it is just and it's to help them determine like what kind of divorce process should I use? Is this going to be litigated? Could we mediate? Do we need lawyers? And it's mainly based on how much you're able to communicate directly with your spouse. How many items can you sit down and come to an agreement on? So if you have the spouse who's super high conflict and they won't talk about anything, You know, you guys can't do a collaborative divorce, but, you know, what I experience in my practices, the clients who are coming to us are the ones who want the divorce to be amicable, to be low conflict. Uh, And it's true, it's not always possible. So we do still end up sometimes in court. Um, But what I tell my clients is, you know, no, we cannot control the other person. They may turn this into litigation. They may make this high conflict, but we can control how we react. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you that, um, you know, I know some really great people in my profession, but there are a lot of divorce lawyers who are a big part of the problem. And um, I think honestly, I think they're also the high conflict personalities. Mm -hmm. And um, what I see is that like kind of attracts like. And so the high Mm -hmm. conflict personality often hires that lawyer with that same personality. Um, And so, you know, a lot of the things that I'm sure you teach about how to communicate or not communicate the high conflict personality, your attorney needs to do the same thing, you know, and Mm -hmm. kind of gray rocking and, you know, Mm -hmm. not getting provoked, because if you go and hire that high conflict attorney, then you're just spending tons of money on basically a pissing match, right, between lawyers, and it's not getting you anywhere. So you need a lawyer who will advocate for you, but knows when, you know, they need to respond to the five page aggressive letter Mm -hmm. or knows when we just say, I categorically, my client categorically denies all those allegations and I'm not spending Mm -hmm. the attorney's fees to, you know, go down this path.
0: Yeah. What about the opposite end? I've also worked with people who are on the opposite end where it was very clear that there was abuse there and their lawyer would say well just go talk to them just trying to work something out with them just and like essentially sending them right back into the lion's den you know when it when sometimes it was even potentially a dangerous situation um what you know what do you say about those type of things and you know i, I know in, in my situation i've i've actually encouraged people to you know at least consult some other attorneys on how they would handle those type of situations because it was you know, because one of the things I tell people is that when you're going through a divorce, especially if it's high conflict, it's potentially the most dangerous part of the relationship because that person Absolutely. starts to realize that they're losing control. and yeah. You know, and that's when you really start seeing like that, you know, people's, you know, evil side potentially coming out, that sort of thing. But what, that's what are the your.
1: the most dangerous okay. time in domestic mm-hmm. violence is leaving. Mm-hmm.
0: What what about what what do you what what are your thoughts and what, what's been your experience when you know if they may have a lawyer that kind of encourages them to like schmooze them over or I have I have one client that their their lawyer said uh, you know you know how to talk to them you know what buttons to press you know in a way to uh, essentially what I said was that it sounds like this lawyer wants you to do their job
1: yeah and there are some relationships where there's no way you're going to be able to have a healthy conversation. Um, a lot of them, right, I, in so many right. situations, you do need all of the communication to go through lawyers, especially if there's a history of abuse and also manipulation. And I, I see situations where um, the other person, they know exactly how to manipulate you and end up getting what they want. And then you know, if my client's talking directly to them, my client comes back to me and it's like, I can tell they're feeling guilty for the situation the other person put themselves in and I'll be frank and I'll say I can see that you know they know how to manipulate you and that's what's happening you really need to limit your contact and communication and go through the lawyers.
0: What are some of those key indicators for you from the outside looking in that a listener might rec- might say like you know what that's what exactly what my soon-to-be-ex person is doing to me like what, what, what are some of those key indicators?
1: I think if you feel a lot of guilt after you talk to them, yeah, they, they gaslight. Like if you wonder if you're crazy and, mm-hmm. or if you feel a lot of guilt and you're feeling guilt because of their situation or because of actions that they took, and mm-hmm. that's when there's just a lot of manipulation
0: going on. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about, a little bit about dating. Um, let's actually let's, before we get into post, um, divorce, Um, you know, a lot of people date while they're still going through the divorce, maybe separated. Maybe they haven't even left the house. Mm -hmm. Do those type of things impact the divorce process? What, what is, uh, you know, what's your kind of direction or guidance in situations like that?
1: So it does impact the divorce process, but not in the way that a lot of people think. Um, a lot of people will think, oh, the judge is going to hate my spouse because they're dating someone. And. We need to spend a lot of time and money digging up evidence of this and putting it in front of the judge. No, I mean, right or wrong, the courts are desensitized to this. I you know, they hear so much every day. So it's not gonna help you with division of property. It's not gonna even help you typically with custody unless, you know, really bad things are happening around the kids. But where it does really affect the divorce is it could be so triggering to the other spouse that it makes it more high conflict. It makes the other side less willing to negotiate um, or it can be just really harder to get to a settlement. So um, yeah, you know, I advise clients, hold off. Um, and a lot of times my clients don't listen to me and yeah, you know, we do the best we can. And, and even in those situations, we typically do reach a reasonable settlement, but a lot of times it takes more time to get there because of the emotions the other person's going through.
0: One of the things I've noticed—I don't know if you've seen this—and uh, if so, obviously you, you can speak to it. But I noticed that the person who's gone through the divorce will make decisions about the divorce as if they're going to be with that new person forever, yeah. Even though they may have only known that person for less than a year, so they're you know putting things in the divorce even if They're not putting that new person in there, you know, about vacation time and this and that and you know, custody time as if they're about to be a ready-made family. And then soon after the divorce, oftentimes things may not work out. I'm not even saying that the relationship was bad, but you know, they just didn't know each other well or whatever the case is. And then, yeah. uh, and then oftentimes, or maybe you were setting up a life that that person was going to be able to watch your kids after school and pick them up yeah. after school. And so then you were nicked on whatever, you know, whatever daycare situation that may have benefited you, as if yeah. you were a single parent. I've um, less- yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. I had. I've recently had one where a party just assumed they're going to be able to get um, buddy passes to fly easily to see the kids because of the person they're dating. Like, yeah, yeah you know, that that's not likely to last long term. Maybe it will, but yeah. it may not.
0: Yeah, you yeah, haven't had enough enough vetting process yet. And at that point.
1: Yeah and there's so much transition that happens um, and this is I can speak to personally because I started dating my husband when he was very soon after divorce and I was able to see like you know what that transition is like because I had been out of you know that situation for a while and what it's like dating someone while they're figuring out how to be a single parent and mm-hmm. it worked out for me but um, looking back it's like okay so people need some time to figure out their new normal.
0: Absolutely. <clears throat> well, if it's okay with you, I know, um, we, you know, I don't know if you've seen my, am I the asshole segments? Yeah. Okay. There's, only a of, uh, there's only been a handful of times. I've actually read them to, um, guests, but I felt like this one was potentially uh, a really good one for you because, um, because of the dynamics of the story, but also, uh, I actually, didn't, I picked this one, but I didn't even really realize it till the end because they, but this, situation happened in Georgia. So I really, I think it's fitting. Yep. So, uh, so here we go. So am I the asshole for using my soon to be ex-wife's history against her? So it goes, my wife filed for divorce after the birth of our third child. She started gunning for full custody after getting jealous that I have dated a new woman, a 21 year old female. (laughs) So it probably sounds very familiar. Uh previously she wanted to negotiate a 60/40 split despite my protest to be 50/50. I'm pretty sure she's talking trash about me to the kids. My soon-to-be ex did some porn in the late 90s through to get through college. She wasn't very well known and it was most and, and it was mostly amateur work. Afterwards, she graduated, dyed her hair and tried to bury it. However, she told me about it when we were dating and I had the tapes that were quite frankly pretty hard to find. My ex teaches computer science at a middle school. I ended up notifying the principal with the evidence. And a week later she was fired. My lawyer also is in the process of submitting the tapes in our child custody battle. Am I the asshole? All I want to do is not be robbed of my kids and she was actively doing that. Our other two kids are 13 and 11 and we miss each other and I wasn't the one who uprooted our kids. However, my sister-in-law is calling me out on Facebook for being sexist and being cruel for outing her sister when we are living in a very conservative judicial district in Georgia. Am I the asshole?
1: That just kept getting worse and worse. (laughs) <laughs> I just kept thinking, no, and then you did what? Yeah, he—he's an asshole. I'm. Uh-huh. There's so many reasons, but you know, you need to look at what's best for the kids. And when you start bringing something like, you know, your ex's past that was before you even had kids, that's becoming public record. So, is it really healthy for your kids it, when they're older if they go look up what happened and mom and dad's divorce to see that information? What are they going to think about you for bringing up that information? Um, even in more conservative counties in Georgia, typically, if this is something that happened before you had kids, this is not something going on right now. It is probably not going to be as relevant as he thinks it's going to be. And you know, if I would not be an, an attorney encouraging that. Um, I mean, and then what are the chances that they're going to have a healthy co-parenting relationship? None. I mean, he's just making a big old mess. That's going to make it impossible to co-parent and for those kids to have healthy relationships with both parents.
0: One of the things I was thinking about is, you know, you now got your ex-wife fired and you're saying yeah, you're that you're trying so to take kids. And so to to me, like if you're to your point about doing what's in the best interest of the kids, getting your ex-wife fired is not in the best interest of the kids. Now, if you, even if you do get the 50-50 that you want, they're going to struggle on the other end.
1: hmm. Yeah. I mean, so many of the choices that he made were just making things worse for his kids.
0: What do you think about the lawyer who was in the process of submitting tapes? Is that Do you think that the lawyer was kind of just doing as directed? Or do you think they actually had a plan in place? What, what are your thoughts there?
1: There are a lot of lawyers who I think enjoy the drama, and they'll start seeing their client getting all worked up over something, and they go with it. And this is the type of situation where this person could easily spend $100,000 on their lawyer. Easy, with all these facts. Um, And there are lots of lawyers who will really enjoy that money, and instead of sitting down with their client and saying, this is going to spiral. You're going to spend six figures and not get what you think you're going to get. They'll just run with it. And a lot of them enjoy it. It's like a game to them.
0: And, you know, obviously correct me if I'm wrong, because yeah, obviously you're you're the, the person, especially in Georgia. But from one, everything I've read, it doesn't sound like this is going to sway a decision, like ex- an extreme decision one way or the other, where he's going to get full custody or she's going to get full custody is still probably going to be 60-40 or 50-50.
1: Yeah, it's very unlikely. Now, Georgia, we don't have a 50-50 presumption. So, Mm -hmm. um, and I have a lot of thoughts on this too. Usually mom end up, ends up getting primary custody. Um, we have moved to where dads are getting a lot more time than they did when I first started practicing. But yeah, unless, these things are happening around the children, unless you can show a connection between what this behavior has done to the kids, it typically doesn't impact custody. Now, of course, you know, there's never a guarantee. There are some judges where it might, but very rarely is it a slam dunk. And then even if you do win, what have you done to your relationship with your kids and your co-parenting relationship?
0: I kind of wanna, um, even though I did have some elements of this uh, in this story, uh, I kind of want to talk about, you know, these online smear campaigns. I know you've probably seen them on TikTok with people talking about slamming their ex, mm-hmm. you know, bashing their ex. Can doing those sorts of things cause harm to a case, cause harm to a situation like that? You know, do judges yeah. look at that as a negative? What what do what what is what happens there?
1: Absolutely. And one of the factors in the Georgia custody statute for what judges look at for custody is being able to nurture and foster a healthy relationship with the other parent. So if you have someone who's going online and badmouthing the other parent, it you know, it's pretty easy to conclude they're probably gonna badmouth that other parent to the kids it's really yeah. best to not talk about your case at all on social media um, because typically it's going to be harmful and I can't think of one time where it's actually been beneficial to a client.
0: What's interesting, one time, um, this was a few years back, but uh, I actually said something about this online and uh, and I started getting all, so I started going viral for the wrong reasons uh-huh. and then and started getting all sorts of, hate. Matt Pfeiffer is telling victims to be silent and this and that. Mm-hmm. And like, no, well, speak to your therapist, speak in yeah. groups speak in, you know, um, you know, where mm-hmm. in places where those things are, are meant for, mm-hmm. you know, but, um, but yeah, it hundred percent can't hundred percent can backfire. But where's that? where would you say from your standpoint from a legal standpoint of where's that fine line of someone quote unquote sharing their truth or you hear people say well the world needs to know that this is a bad person um mm-hmm. you know what what are your thoughts on that and you know is that valid when it comes to court or divorce
1: the time to do that is definitely not when you have a pending divorce or custody case mm-hmm. I mean, that is just it's just going to hurt you um, and you know, maybe once things have settled and you know, the dust has settled, it sounds like you know, we're talking about litigation here, but you know, once everyone has moved on, maybe it can make sense to share your truth. And, um, you know, that can be important, but you do always have to weigh, you know, how that could impact your personal life and, right. and what is your priority. Um, because you know, might you end up in a custody modification later? You know, just because the divorce is done doesn't mean that, um, you know, you're not going to be back in front of a judge. So, um, I can't, I, I, mean, I can say I would never want a client to be sharing things during their case, and then afterwards, you just have to make a decision on, um, how important is this to you?
0: Yeah, we we talked a lot about litigation and high conflict and that sort of thing. Um, even though you're someone who wants to present as, uh, wants to, you know, is encouraging, I should say, um, low litigation, low, you know, low conflict, you know, healthy co-parenting, um, where for someone who might be listening and they're like, well, maybe, maybe there is some hope that me and my significant other can do that. What would be the starting point? Because, the, you know, the reality of it is that obviously people are going through a divorce, so they definitely don't get along. Yeah. You know, and probably about some major points. If someone said, if someone wanted to see if there was a glimmer of hope that this could be potentially be something that, that can be done between them, maybe it's their ex or maybe they're about to go, about to be their ex. How would they know that there might be some glimmer of hope?
1: Great question. Um, you know, it depends a little bit on, you know, do they communicate at all, you know, has there been domestic violence? Has there been, you know, extreme manipulation? Um, A lot of my clients come to me already having basically hashed out their agreement with their spouse. Um, But a lot of people come to me and they aren't in a situation where they can directly communicate. And um, what I recommend to a lot of those people, almost all of them is to use, it's called the Amicable Divorce Network. Have you heard about this at all? Mm -hmm. It started in Georgia, but it's starting to spread to other states. And it is a network of attorneys who have been vetted for um, basically keeping things as low conflict as possible. And if a client comes to me, and there's not, you know, there's not an emergency, there's nothing where we have to file right now, there's, you know, there hasn't been domestic violence, We start the case instead of filing by sending a letter to the other side saying, I've been retained and we are asking that you engage through this amicable divorce network process. It is a low conflict approach that saves you time, money, and keeps your privacy because we're not filing all these things with the court. And then we refer them to the website and ask that they pick an attorney from the network. So, I think that in most situations, that is worth a try. In most of my Mm -hmm. cases, we do send that letter out. Now, a lot of the time, the other side isn't willing to do it. And we end up with a more high conflict situation. But that's a Mm -hmm. great first step. If someone is like, you know, I want to try this, then Go to it's, the website called it's divorce amicably.com and mm-hmm. you can look up if there are any amicable attorneys in your state. Mm-hmm.
0: So, uh, what's that saying? Um, walk, uh, walk quietly, but carry a big stick or something. Yeah. It's not, flying, yeah. You know, so, so it's, so it sounds like, you know, you want to be, you know, offer that, but also, you know, understand just like you said earlier that you have no control over the other person yep. and. Be prepared if it doesn't go that way that, you know, that you have a fight on your hands, but either way you're preparing at least that was something that you tried.
1: Exactly. And I always believe in just being the one to take the high road, doing the right thing. I really do believe that that always puts you ahead. So I think that at least, you know, that you tried that approach and Mm -hmm. um, did everything that you could to keep it that way.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, Jeanette, thank you very much. This has been an, uh, a great, great interview, great, great opportunity. I'm sure that a lot of people have taken a lot away from this and a lot, a lot away from you. Um, tell people where they can find you at, maybe your website, um, your handles on all social media platforms, if they want to know learn more about you. Uh, where can they find you? At?
1: All right, our website is atlholisticfamilylaw.com. I'm on TikTok same as ATL Holistic Family Law. I'm on Instagram and I'm on threads with a few other people. (laughs) I'm not posting there much. I'm on YouTube as well. All that same handle.
0: Awesome. Well, Jeanette, thank you very much and if you are listening to this or if you're watching this, make sure you guys go down to the comment section. Let us know how much you have enjoyed Jeanette's knowledge. Let us know something that you may have learned from her. Also, make sure you guys go to all of her handles. Make sure you guys follow her, encourage her, Uh, and if you're in the state of Georgia, make sure that you guys contact her for a consultation. With all that being said, thank you very much, and we will see you in our next episode.